This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 20. Thanks for joining us. I am Ryan Williams, president of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Mr. Cashflow, David Weiner of Cashflow Strategies. He finds ways to increase his client revenue, lower taxes, and cut expenses through cost segregation studies, profit recovery, and cost reduction. So David's going to tell us all about what he does for businesses, but there are a lot of parallels between what David does and what I do. We go into companies and we also help them to save money and increase revenue. We do that by automating a lot of the tasks that they are currently manually doing, connecting their systems so their departments have better communication and less data entry, less error. And there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to make all that happen, wire all those systems together, do whatever custom programming we need to do, establish databases. But what our CFOs, CEOs, and business owners really appreciate is the dashboard we provide to them in their own customized portal. It shows them real-time information on their business, which products and services are the most profitable, what the status of current jobs are, how customer service is going, how bookkeeping is going, accounts receivable, all of that customized reports exactly as they want to see them. No waiting around for somebody to pull information into a spreadsheet and cobble together formulas. And often our clients are providing digital services for their clients as well, like reports that they need to generate. We can generate PDF reports and spreadsheet deliverables for their clients and have them sent automatically via email. They don't even have to push a button. If this sounds like something that would help you improve your business, please give me a call, 404-418-8909, extension 10, that's Ryan Williams, or you can email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at websuasion.com, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M. And now let's talk to David Wiener. David, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So tell me about your background. You actually went to the University of Akron? I am an Akron zip. Oh, yeah? Graduated from the University of Akron way, way, way back when with a degree in personnel management, which I've okay. never really used, but it was a good experience. Isn't that the way? It it's is. A, that's it how is. it goes. So then what led you to do what you're doing now, or what did you do between there? I know you were like with CompuData for a while. And- I ran a medical practice for a while, worked for CompuData, which is a medical billing service for a while, was their chief operating officer, became a consultant, consulting with medical and dental practices, have done that for many, many, many years, working in the business aspect of the medical and dental practices with them. About seven or eight years ago, I started hearing from a lot of the doctors and dentists that I work with that they were working as hard as they could possibly work, but they weren't making any money anymore. Right. When we dug into it a little bit more, it was really more of a cash flow problem than it was a revenue problem. Right, right. And so they would ask me, well, you know, what do I do? So I don't have to sweat making payroll and and doing all that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people. Uh, I started referring them to a lot of my friends who had different businesses where they could help them with their cash flow. But I found very quickly that the doctors, 
never really contacted them and or if they right. tried they never tried very hard right and so they would complain to me the next time we met and eventually i just decided you know what uh, they'll talk to me so i'm going to become all of these people so i took two years and vetted the best of the best companies out there that i know of in all of these different areas that could help them with their cash flow and i affiliated myself with about eight companies yeah so that when i went in and did an analysis for somebody on their cash flow we could identify the weak areas i could then handhold them and take them all the way through getting that taken care of. Gotcha. So this all came out of the medical and dental practice management. It did. And it's gone yeah. quite a bit farther than that over the years. You've been doing that for almost 30 years now, haven't you? The consulting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cashflow strategies is about seven years old. I've read studies that over 80% of small and medium sized business people say the one thing that keeps them up at night is cash flow. Yeah. It'll kill your business or it'll Absolutely. make your business. And so I have the greatest job in the world. I get to walk in, make a money, smile, and leave. Let's talk about some of those techniques. <laughs> First off, we can just quickly talk about the probably the collections aspect with Transworld. That's, is that principally medical or is it anything? It's anything. Okay. I've had everywhere from medical and dental practices to my strangest client was probably a granite mine in Brazil. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I found Transworld by eavesdropping on a conversation in a booth behind me in a restaurant. Okay. There was a representative from Transworld demoing a doctor. I was listening to the guy and thinking, where has this been all my life? You right. know, I, I'd have done this in a second. So when the doctor got up and left, I went and sat in the guy's booth and I said, would you tell me what you just told him? And he did. And I went to work for the company. And then over the years, I've had clients in all kinds of industries in that. The benefit of that is typically when a person uses a collection agency in the United States, they work the account as hard as they can work it in-house. Right. When they finally toss their hands up in the air and say, you know what, I'm just not going to get this. They will turn it over to a traditional collection agency, which basically takes whatever they've got right. and they pay them somewhere between 30 and 50% of what they collect. Okay. Okay. The dirty little secret, and I guess I'm letting this out of the bag now, the dirty little secret of the collections industry is 85 to 90% of the money that a collection agency collects in the United States is collected on the very first contact, okay. which in the U.S. by law has to be a letter. So think about it for a mm -hmm. second. You're a doctor. You're a specialist. Your average bill is, say, $500. Right. Okay. Somebody doesn't pay. You eventually turn it over to a collection agency. They send out a letter, collect almost all the money they're ever going to collect, and then charge you 30% to 50% of the guy's bill just for sending out a letter. Right. That's crazy. So back in 1970, a couple of guys who were looking to start a collection agency thought, you know, we know what our costs are going to be. Why do we have to charge a percentage? And they invented the concept of fixed fee collections. Okay. They charge a simple fixed fee and the client keeps the money. Well, multiply that by all of the debts that a doctor or dentist's office is going to turn over or a business. Right. They're saving a whole lot of money. In the 50 years that Transworld Systems has been around, they've become the largest collection agency in the United States. So it's a great advantage to them and still there are a lot of them who aren't aware that it's available. Probably one of your biggest things is cost segregation. Can you talk about cost segregation? Explain cost segregation. When you talk about cash flow, yeah. there are a few different problems. One, they're not bringing enough in or they're not bringing it in quickly enough. Two, they're spending too much, yeah. than they, more than they need to. A third area is they're overpaying their taxes. Well, cost segregation applies to anybody who owns 
or improves commercial or rental residential property. Okay. So if you buy a building or build a building, typically what happens is the building is depreciated over 39 years. If it's okay. rental residential property, it's depreciated over 27 and a half years. All right. Why, why 27 and a half? Who knows? Somebody thought it was a good number. Somebody thought it was a good number. Yeah. But the IRS says you don't have to do it that way. Okay. And by doing a, an engineering-based cost segregation study, you can actually accelerate that depreciation. So the, the easiest way to look at it is you take a Big Mac. Yeah. It's either a Big Mac or it's two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. We're going to take that building and we're going to break it into all of its main components. Gotcha. All of the non-structural components can then be depreciated at 5, 7, and 15 years. Okay. So if, mechanical cost. Right. And, and if you speed up the depreciation, that means more tax cut, tax deductions now. Okay. With the passage of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we now have what they call 100% bonus depreciation. If you do it within the first year of ownership, you can take all of that short life property, the five, seven, and 15 year property, the first year. The 100, entire thing? 100%. So if you have a big tax bill coming and you just exactly. buy a new facility, or is, it, this applies to rental too, doesn't it? It, it does. It, so is it if you've only if you've done like major construction on a rental property or? If you are a lessee and you've done major leasehold improvements, okay. you can do a cost segregation study on that as well. Probably my best case right now is somebody built a warehouse in the area uh -huh. and I was talking to their CPA and he said, I, I don't know what we'd really get out of it by doing it because it's just a warehouse. Right. And I said, well, let's run the numbers. I can run a free estimate for anybody. Okay. So we ran the numbers with just a few pieces of information and the initial estimate said he was going to pay somewhere around $15,000 for the study. Okay. But we were going to get him an additional $1.1 million of tax deduction. <laughs> okay. So they thought that was a good idea to do. Yeah. And we went ahead and did the study. And we do a site visit and take pictures and then submit all the blueprints and everything to our engineers who work up the study. When the study was all said and done, we were able to save them an additional $2.3 million in <laughs> nice. so tax deductions. Now, so, what is their cost in addition to the study? Is there an additional cost? Do they pay you a percentage of what they get no, back in tax or anything? No, like they pay for the study. We provide all the forms for their CPA. So the CPA yeah. doesn't have a lot of additional work to do for them. So generally, the, the CPA doesn't charge them any extra for applying the study. Right. Um, and that's all it is. Which is why CPAs like you, because you make them look like a hero. <laughs> well, my dad was a CPA. Uh -huh. And my dad told me that in order to be a CPA in today's world, you've got to be about 10 miles wide and a foot deep. Right. You know, you've got to know a whole lot of things a little bit. Mm-hmm. They can't be expected to know everything. And so that's why there are people like this company that I'm working with, CSSI, we're a foot wide and 10 miles deep when right. it comes to depreciation. And so we partner together and I delivered a study to a CPA the other day and he said to me, how often do I get to be a hero to my clients? Right. He said, usually I'm the guy calling them to say, well, now you got to pay the government right. this. we got a problem here. you yeah. got to pay the government this. Yeah. And he said, now I'm calling them and saying, guess what? You don't have to pay any taxes this year. That's great. Well, you've got a new thing that you're doing now uh, also with Velocity Medical Receivable Solutions. Well, can you we'll talk about that a little bit? What's I saw the need for it over the years, and I didn't know what to do about it because I encounter a lot of medical providers as I'm out working in the medical field who do personal injury type cases. 
when a medical provider provides services for someone in the midst of a personal injury case, they don't get their money until the court case is settled. Right. And so they get either letters of protection or medical liens from the personal injury attorneys who say, okay, you know, when this case is resolved, you know, so yeah, yeah. they wait sometimes two to three years for their money. Right. Which really yeah. is a bummer when you're talking about cash flow. So Velocity came along. I was introduced to them at a conference. They come in and will purchase the medical liens and letters of protection. Okay. And not only will they go and research all their previous claims and determine what their average pay rate is, because a lot of times they have to negotiate the rate down because the court case didn't go the way everybody thought it would. Right. So they figure out what their average recovery rate actually is. They'll buy their entire stock of letters of protection and medical liens and then make an agreement to them so that once a quarter, they'll buy all the new ones so okay. they have a regular cash flow coming in. It works out great for them because then they don't have to wait. They don't have to negotiate with the attorneys. Right. They don't have to do any of that. Velocity takes care of all of that. How much of a percentage are they usually paying? Is it It varies. Um, probably in the 25% range, which is all they're going to collect anyway, but right. they're going to collect it two years from now. So right, right. The, I'm always looking to see more cash coming through the business because that's what's going to keep them afloat. Right. Plus, there are a lot of medical clinics, orthopedics, uh, practices and things that won't take personal injury claims because of the delay in getting paid and that sort of really? thing. With this new service, they're starting to accept personal injury claims, which then drives their revenue up and yeah, it yeah. all works out great. So Interesting. Well, you also do a lot of public speaking, right? I do. So I enjoy it. Is it usually to like CPAs or what are you typically doing? I speak a lot for medical and dental groups. Spoke this year for the Georgia Medical Group Management Association down in Hilton Head. Yeah. I am on my way tomorrow to the annual meeting of the American Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons in Boston. And I'm doing a workshop with them on maximizing collections in the oral surgery office. Okay. I'm heading out to Denver later this year to do a, an event for a bunch of dental practices. Was in New Jersey doing a thing for a bunch of dental practices this year. I also do speak for CPAs. That That's all kind of on the collections and cash flow yeah. end. Uh, for CPAs, I do CPE classes and webinars on the 2014 repair regulations, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and cost segregation, how they all work together. Right. I've got one called Safe Harbors Made Simple because the IRS safe harbors are anything but simple. Right. And we've just started putting together a new program. There is a real estate professional designation that the IRS has made that will change how people deduct depreciation and things. Okay. And it's not easy at all to understand. So we're putting together a class for that to kind of help the, the uh, and as well as a service, any of the CPAs that I work with can call me and say, okay, I got this guy. We need to know if we can designate him real estate professional. Right. And, and I'll walk them through kind of a qualification set of steps. And then we'll say, yes, you can, or no, you can't. And here's how it affects their taxes. And there's so much there that people are unaware of. Got a call from a tax attorney who said, I've got a dentist, but he can't use cost segregation. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, he formed a corporation just for the building. The only income it's ever going to get is the rent he's paying it. Right. And so he has no real taxable income. It would cause a passive loss. I said, well, there is a thing in the IRS code called grouping of entities, 
where if he does it the first year, he can group that corporation and his practice together for tax purposes, and then he can go ahead and use the cost segregation right. and, and save a lot of the money. So and a lot of times they would just brush it off and you're able to come in and say, no, no, look, there's something you missed. There are out. a lot of myths. The The cost segregation has been on the IRS books, I believe, since the 50s. Wow. It didn't become popular or well-known until a court case in 1997 where Hospital Corporation of America wound up suing the IRS because the IRS was after Hospital Corporation of America for millions in back taxes. Okay. And Hospital Corporation of America stated we don't owe it because of this provision that's in the tax code called cost segregation, wound up suing the IRS over it. They hired an engineer to come in and do a full study. Their entire tax burden was abated. They won the court case. And that guy, that engineer that they hired, founded CSSI, the okay. company that I work with. <laughs> Makes sense. He is, he, and his goal was to make cost segregation available to smaller and medium-sized businesses. Yeah. And he's done that. We've done over 20,000 studies across the U.S. Wow. Never have triggered an audit. That's great. And in the few times that a client has been audited about something else and the cost segregation study came into question, they would fly an engineer out from Baton Rouge to defend it. We've never had a change. Wow. That's great. Over the years, what have you seen be most effective? I mean, you're, you're very heavy consulting and sales, obviously. A lot, your business development is just, I assume, a lot of networking, a lot of speaking in public. ton of networking. What's been the most successful for you? Probably the most successful have been partnerships that we've set up, either through Transworld Systems. I manage a partnership relationship between Transworld Systems and the American Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons. Okay. It took us about two years to become one of their approved programs, and pretty much any oral surgeon in the United States is a member of Amos. Uh -huh. So they market to them. Uh, we have a website for them. They have a website for us, and all of them have my phone number and my email address on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get a lot of business from that. Yeah. And, and so I've, I've worked a lot with oral surgery practices. They have some unique challenges when it comes to their cash flow and to their patient receivables. Mm -hmm. Having done this for a long time, it's harder now to collect money from patients than it ever has been. Yeah, And yeah. that has to do a lot with the way our insurance has gone and healthcare in general. And you know, one in three people in the United States have an account in collections. Wow. That's, that's scary. crazy. Yeah. The average US consumer has 12 to 14 creditors. So, so yeah. you know, when you're mixed in with people like Verizon Wireless and, and the companies that you deal with every single day, mm -hmm. you know, if I don't pay my cell bill, my cell phone goes away in 30 days. Right. When an oral surgeon takes out your wisdom teeth, He's not putting them back. If right. you don't pay your bill, he can't. <laughs> he can't do anything. So right. something else has to, you know, has to be done. The old 30-day bill cycle that we used to rely on, just sending out a statement every 30 days and hoping for the best, it just doesn't work anymore. Right. So uh, is there anything that you would have done differently throughout your career? Yeah, probably. I, I would have set up some of these partnerships earlier. Right. I would have also learned how to do search engine optimization and social media marketing mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff because it's a reality. You can't get away from it these days. Are you having any success with that as far as- I am. Um, yeah. Through coaching from a lot of friends. I'm the kind of guy who likes to do it himself. You know, right. So I built my website. It was terrible. 
um, yep. admittedly, you know, and had nothing in it that would, would make it attractive to a search engine. Uh-huh. And I had enough people tell me, I like your website, but it just doesn't work. Right, um, right. That I took it upon myself to learn from them and learn how to make things better and have gradually... Content you know, marketing. Yeah, that, doing yeah. content marketing. And, and I do a blog, which has become very popular, much more popular than I thought it would be. That's great. And I just call it Mr. Cashflow's Tips and Tricks. Yeah, well, you you have developed such a specific niche, and that's always a great kind of well to, to draw from and, for content. And the nickname Mr. Cashflow yeah. has been one of the best things that's happened to me, and that was totally by accident. Really? How did that come about? I have a large um, ophthalmology practice here in Atlanta that had asked me to come in and do some training for their front office staff on how to talk to patients about money right. and, and, you know, and get the most out of it and not offend them and not violate regulations and uh-huh. that sort of thing. They gathered everybody together in their corporate office and I showed up to do my little class and their CEO happened to be standing in the lobby and just offhandedly over his shoulder, he said, hey, there's Mr. Cashflow. And I said, <laughs> whoa, can I, can I use that? And he said, I don't know, do I get a commission? That's great. I said, no, but can I use it? He said, sure, I don't care. Um, no, that's a good, that's a good he's one. not there anymore, but the nickname stuck. That's and, great. And it's worked out really well. And I've started doing videos as well, my cash flow minute. That's good. And so I've attracted that's available people. available on YouTube? Or? It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so networking, social media, mm-hmm. all of that stuff has, has all kind of played into it. But uh, my wife keeps asking me if I'm ever going to retire. And I tell her, why would I do that? I love what I'm doing every day. Well, you know, that's good. That's uh, good. My dad well, told me, if you if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I kind of feel like that's been true for me. I, I enjoy yeah, it. That's great. How about uh, moving forward? Are you looking at expanding? Are you looking at bringing other in other uh, consultants underneath you? And I have toyed with the idea in the past, but it, it's so specific. The yeah. things that I do, I don't know that I could teach them how to do it. I have managed other representatives for Transworld Systems. I have managed other representatives for cost segregation services. Right. But trying to find someone who can handle all of that. Yeah, it's just such a it's too much. Yeah. It's an odd mix of things. Yeah. And so uh, you know, I'm happy to help people along in one or more of the areas, but they will probably not come under the umbrella of cash flow strategies. Plus, I just kind of feel like that is me and I am that and and it's going to be that way. Are you looking at doing more keynote speaking? And oh, yeah. So, I, so that's where you're starting to lean now? I absolutely love to speak. Well, during the time that I was doing medical and dental consulting, I also spent time as a pastor. Yeah, I was going to ask you about so, that. Yeah, you, you were so, a pastor in uh, Douglasville for a while, right? I was a pastor in Ohio for 15 years before I moved to Georgia. Oh, okay. And then for five years in Douglasville, absolutely loved it but I don't get to speak every Sunday morning anymore. So getting up <laughs> right. in front of people is a good thing. I, I enjoy it. I look forward to it. And so I am taking more and more and more speaking engagements. Plus, it gives me an opportunity to travel around the country. And, right. and uh, my wife loves to travel. And so she well, goes with well. me and, and is my personal assistant and uh, my photographer at, at uh, talks <laughs> and things. So it's been really, yeah, it's been really good. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. We're available on most of them, including Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. You can get to that from our website, websuasion.com, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M. At the very top of the screen, you will see some links to social media. One of those is YouTube. If you go there and you click on the subscribe button and then click on the bell icon, you will be notified every time we post new videos. We usually post two a day throughout the week and you can share those on your social media feeds. It's a great way to provide content to your clients that keep you top of mind without having to generate your own content. Next week on the show, we have Cheryl Cherico. She started Tier 3 MD in 2005, and it has now grown to one of the nation's leading HIPAA-compliant and IT support groups for medical practices. They provide comprehensive security risk assessments for a wide variety of medical practices. She's also president of the Georgia Breast Cancer Coalition, which provides assistance for breast cancer patients in need. It's a great conversation. We look forward to it, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, have a productive work week. Bye.